And um, I grew up, uh, for your information, in kind of an Italian-like family. We weren't Italian, but we communicated like that. We laughed, we cried, we yelled, we screamed, we argued, we debated, but then we'd hug each other and say, I love you. But anyway, I was the youngest, so I felt like I had to talk loudest and best to be heard. And I'd learned how to do that. But when Hope said this to me, I couldn't think of anything to say. So I said, okay. And I went and packed my little bag and drove to my parents' house who lived in the same city. And I stayed up all night long in the backyard, praying, cursing, everything in between. I knew things were bad, um, but I'd really never thought about divorce. And that's exactly what Hope was thinking now. She wanted a divorce. She never wanted to see me again, talk to me again, start her life over, not make the same mistakes. The biggest one being marrying me. So that night I'm up all night in the backyard hoping for some lightning bolt, some flash of wisdom, some experience. Uh, at that time, I didn't know if I even believed in God anymore. I was so disoriented. Everything in my life was failing. I was trying to do what was right. I was even reading books, talking to people older and wiser, doing what those things said. But I felt awful all the time physically. I was about to be fired from my job. We were about to go bankrupt. I, in every area of my life, even though I was trying, things were crashing. So I was very unhappy too, and, and this was kind of the last straw of all of that year and a half of, you know, things going down. Well. There was no lightning bolt uh, or, or um, inspiration to solve the problem. That didn't happen. What did happen, as dawn was coming, I heard a voice in my head. Now, it wasn't audible. I know it was in my head and mind. I didn't know who or what it was. I, I, I guess I believed it was God, but at that point, I didn't even know if I believed there was a God, so not sure. But anyway, what the voice said was, Alex, not only do you not love hope, you don't even know what love is. And excuse my language, but that really pissed me off. It, it made me angry, okay? Uh, I, I told Hope probably at least five times every day I loved her. I told my mom I loved her. I told my brothers I loved them. They, they never said that to me, and they always seemed, you know, a little love you too, kind of uncomfortable when I said it. Uh, 
my job at that time was working with teenagers and their parents, and I taught about love. I mean, good night. I was the love guy. And, and here's this voice saying, I don't even know what it is. All right? And I, I was angry. So time goes on. I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm hopeless. I'm everything. Okay? If it was negative, I was going through it. Okay? But I couldn't get that voice out of my head. I couldn't quit thinking about that. Not only do I not know, not only do I not love hope, I don't even know what love is. I just couldn't get it out of my head. And I, I would go on jogs for six to ten miles a day, and that's what I would think about. Uh, couldn't sleep at night thinking about it. Wake up thinking about it, alright? And during that time, uh, Hope would tell her best friend she was happier than she'd ever been in her life because she was away from me. She was going to divorce me and start her life over, okay? And if we had to talk, you know, some bill had to be paid or something, I'd call her on the phone and it would sound something like this. And, and this is Hope. Hello? And then I'd say, oh, hi, hi, it, it, it's Alex. Then she would say, what do you want? Kind of with that tone of voice. And then I would tell her, uh, oh, we've got this bill we need to pay or whatever. And then she would say either, well, just pay it or send it to me and I'll pay it. And then every time she said, don't call me again. And that was it. So... Whenever I talked to Hope after we were separated, it was worse than not talking to her because her words were so cutting and sharp and hateful. And uh, But again, she was, in her mind, done with me, was on to her next life, and was happier than she'd ever been, and the only thing that could mess that up was me. Okay? Well... About, oh, I guess five weeks, five and a half weeks into uh, our separation, and I'd been um, going to the library and researching. I'd been talking to scholars in different languages. I'd talked to people that I really respected as being much wiser than me. And it was around um, five weeks, five and a half weeks, I came to the conclusion that the voice had been right. That not only had I not really loved hope, but I had not even known what it was. And um, it was a shocking uh, conclusion to come to, but in another way, it was liberating too, because I'd been trying to succeed, and everything was failing. Well, I hadn't tried this yet, so there was a little bit of hope there, uh, but it was also quite shocking that what I had not only believed, but taught was in error. What I came to believe about love, I'll say real love, uh, here's some of the things that I discovered that I came to believe 
that just really kind of busted my bucket, all right? Love, real love, keeps no record of wrongs done against me. Wow. When Hope and I went to marriage counseling, I had four pages front and back about to prove to the counselor that our marriage problems were Hope's fault. And I think she had a list about me. Don't remember that for sure, but I had a four-page front and back list about her. Love does not keep any list written, not written, anywhere. Love forgives and lets it go. Okay? You know how to know if you've forgiven someone? If you can say with all your heart and mean it, I accept that person unconditionally as a person, 100% with no strings attached, then you've forgiven them. If you can't say that, chances are you haven't forgiven them. Doesn't mean you forgive the act. You don't have to forgive the act. Some acts are unforgivable. You have to forgive the person. And those are two different things. Okay, the person and the act. So love keeps no record of wrongs done against it. Another one. Love suffers all pain. Love suffers everything. Good night. I did not get into marriage to suffer. <laughs> okay? I, primarily, I got into marriage for pleasure. Alright? Someone to do things with. Uh, uh, have lovely meals with, go on trips with, have children with, have sex with, go to movies. I mean, primarily, I got married for pleasure. Love suffers everything, all pain, willingly, without running away, without fighting back, without unforgiveness. Love suffers everything? Boy, I sure hadn't been doing that. Number three, love never fails. Everything in my life was failing. Money, job, career, health, friendships, marriage, everything. And I was trying. Love never fails. I came to believe that what I had been calling love and really meant when I told Hope, I love you, was really a business deal. You know how business deals work? You sign a contract with, with someone to do something or not do something, and the contract specifies, okay, I'll do this if you'll do that. I won't do this if you don't do that. 
If you do this, then there's this penalty. If you do that, then there's that penalty. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not love. That's a business deal. That's a contract, all right? And that's really what I was meaning when I said I love you. Now, I would not have admitted that at the time, but it was true. And you know what the proof of it was? And, and it's also the proof with you, all right? Is experiencing anything in the anger family. Anger, irritation, frustration, resentment, bitterness, overwhelm. There's a whole bunch of emotions and feelings in the anger family. Google that. If you experience one of those, it means you had a wrong goal that never should have been a goal in the first place. It's a, it's a business deal, love, contract, not real love. Okay? So, when Hope would not do the stuff that... I had on my contract that she was agreeing to do by marrying me. Now, these weren't written down. We had talked about some of them, not all of them. Some of them were just assumed. But when she would not do something I had on our contract, I would get irritated. And then if it got worse, I would get frustrated. And then if it worse, I'd get angry. Okay? And guess what? She did the same thing. If I did something or didn't do something that she had on her contract, whether we'd actually talked about it or not, irritation, frustration, eventually anger. That's not love. Love suffers everything without getting angry. Love goes through all pain without getting angry, irritated, frustrated. Disappointed, yes but not the anger family, okay? So I believed that what I had been teaching, sharing with hope, even for my own personal life, is that I had a wrong definition of love. And I was not living real love. Now, usually there are some people that we kind of by default have a real love relationship with. Our children, our parents, although those can become strained to the point where it's gone. But at, at some point, that is usually there with people that we're that close to just naturally. But then we can love our kid, but not have love for anybody else. Well, that's going to lead to failure. I mean, this has got to be something you have with everybody. Okay? This is a way to live your life that you commit to no matter what happens in your life. All right? That's the path. Because if it's circumstantial, well, I'm not going to love in this situation. That was on my contract. Well, I'm, I, I can quit loving in that situation. That was on my contract that they violated. Okay? No, you can't do that. You either commit to live that way as best you can 
or you're living the business deal love, which in reality is the fear response. Okay? And so, and, and one thing I'm not sure if I remember to tell you, when, when these happen, when the hypothalamus flips the switch that leads to both sets of results, you cannot stop it with your willpower, your conscious intention, your willpower, whatever you want to call that. You cannot stop it. This comes from the unconscious mind, which is a million times more powerful than your conscious mind. You can get all the self-help things there's ever been. You can't do it. You can't stop this. Your health is going to get worse. Your relationships are going to get worse. Your emotions and thoughts are going to get worse. You're going to be more and more negative, even if you paint on a happy face. You can't stop it with your willpower. But in the same way, when the hypothalamus flips this switch, you can't stop this either, and it happens effortlessly and automatically. Okay, so I finally um, come to the realization of what real love is versus what I've been doing. And now my failure in every area of my life at least makes a little bit more sense, okay? Well, at about six weeks, two things happened. The voice came back. And here's what the voice said. <clears throat> Alex, are you willing to really love hope now? Ooh, I didn't answer quick. I, I had this real sense. This is almost like a, a holy, holy ground kind of thing. I, I, I better not say this unless I mean it. So I went for several long runs and prayed and meditated. Now, at this time, I'm, I still don't know if there's a God or not. I'm, I'm not convinced of that. But I'm searching, okay? Well, at some point, a little over five weeks, around six weeks, something like that, I waited until dark, went back to my parents' backyard, got on my knees, and I think at this point, I was believing more that there was a God than believing there wasn't a God. Still not sure, but I'm starting to go that way, because this new real love thing is making sense where the old one didn't, at least to me. So anyway, I get on my knees in my parents' backyard, and I'm talking to God if there is a God. If you're there, okay, I'm, I'm talking to you, okay? And here's what I said. I will promise, thou, commit, to love hope as best I can. I'll never do it right, but as best I can 
for the rest of my life, no matter what. And I'd come to believe that real love is all in, all in. Not, I'll see how this goes for a month or a year, but no. Real love is all in. Nothing held back for safety reasons, to protect myself as an out later if things don't work. No. All in. Nothing held back. No door back. No plan B. No safety net forever, no matter what. And you got to understand, at this time, Hope hated me. She was 100% planning to divorce me looking so forward to starting her life over. Happier than she's been in years, blah, blah, blah. Okay? That was the situation. So, if I'm committing to love her forever, all in, nothing held back, no matter what, I may very well be loving the mother of someone else's children and someone else's wife that's there, that, that she's having sex with. Not with me. Okay? And I knew that. I knew that is most likely, I'm agreeing to love her forever no matter what, and most likely that's what's going to be happening. Well, that doesn't sound too great, does it? But I knew that I knew that I knew that this was right. And this was the only door out, and there was no door back for me. So I got on my knees, I made that statement to God, I said that prayer, however you want to look at it. And ladies and gentlemen, I didn't just say it, I meant it. From the marrow of my bones, I meant it. I was all in, nothing held back, no safety net, forever, no matter what hope does. Now you might think, how can I do that? If she goes and marries, well, I just always love her with all my heart. And if she ever needs anything or somebody to get her back or help, I'm at least one of the ones I'm going to be there for her, no matter what, even though she is married to someone else. So it doesn't necessarily mean if you love someone like this that you're with them, but you have to keep loving them no matter where they are, what they're doing, how they feel about you, etc. If you don't, it will eat you up on the inside, cause your hypothalamus to flip the failure response and everything that comes from that. Committing to love them, even if it does hurt because she's with someone else, flips the success switch. It's an act of love. Okay? All right. So, as soon as those words are out of my mouth, on my knees, in my parents' backyard, I felt something in me change. 
And I had never felt it before. It was a lightness. It was a joy. It was a peace. It was, um, it was uh, as if this huge weight had been taken off of me. It's, a, it's almost like I felt like I could fly, but I, I didn't. I knew I couldn't fly, but it, I felt kind of like that. Okay? And all the worry about hope and whether she marries someone else and all these problems and the bankruptcy, and it was all gone. All of the anxieties, worries, all of that. I just knew somehow, I don't know how, but somehow I'm going to be okay as long as I keep living this love thing. Not with just one or two things, but with everything in my life. Okay? So, that happens. And about that same time, I got Hope to agree to go on a date with me. Now, don't get the wrong idea. I believe that, sh that she wanted this because this was her final closure with me. And she could tell all her girlfriends and her parents and everybody else, I gave him another chance. I met with him. And, you know, just, just to give him one last chance and have closure and all that. I think that's what this meeting was to her, okay? But she agreed to go on a date with me after six weeks and a few days. She had all kinds of rules. You will not touch me. You will not come into the house. You will not try to talk about our relationship. It will be somewhere in public. For one hour only, and you are not today to ask to get together again, like at the end of the day. You can't ask to get together again at the end of the day. Okay? Uh, it, I think I could ask, but it had to be at least the next day. But anyway, those were our rules. And I said, okay, cool. So I believe it was the next day. I uh, drive over to uh, the condominium she and I bought together where she was living. Went up, knocked on the door, felt wonderful. I had no idea what was going to happen. My guess is she was still going to divorce me, but I still felt wonderful. Couldn't really explain that, but I did. Knocked on the door. She opened. She has this real, you know, screwed up, scroogey face looking on her, on her face. So she opens the door. And she did a double take. Okay? I'll try to demonstrate. She opened the door, looked at me, looked away, and then looked like, what was that? She would tell me later. She wouldn't tell me at the time. She thought maybe it wasn't real. She would tell me later that the first time she looked in my eyes, she knew that I was not the same man. She was right. We had a um, recommitment ceremony for our marriage, I believe, about three weeks later. And you may be thinking, three weeks for her to go from that mad and angry and, well, the real thing. Real love is so overwhelming, so powerful, it's almost irresistible. And 
she could not resist me. And, and you know it's not because of my looks, okay? It was the love. For the first time, I loved her unconditionally, unselfishly, with all my heart, forever, all in, nothing held back, no safety net, forever, no matter what. And she could feel it. And she, in a very short period of time, I guess most people would say it, fell back in love with me to a much greater degree than she ever had before. We had a recommitment ceremony and um, have been happier and happier over time ever since and are about to celebrate 34 years. And you'll get to see her um, uh, on some of these videos, I think. Um, well, we were absolutely, after that, after our recommitment and everything, we were just totally disgusting to all of our friends. And they would even tell us that. Hey, what's the deal with you guys? Are you trying to make us feel bad about our relationship or what? The reason they were saying that is we, we couldn't keep our hands off each other. We couldn't keep from kissing each other. We couldn't keep from, you know, act, we, 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 I'm sure we looked like, 13-year-olds with their first infatuation thing. Uh, I mean, looking back on it, I can totally see how they felt that way because we could not keep our hands off each other. And um, it was absolutely, to that time, the happiest time of my whole life and nothing else had ever been close. And, for your information... I did not get fired from my job. They gave me a raise, and they were planning to fire me. So you see, my job performance started to dramatically change on its own, automatically, without me really doing anything. We did not go bankrupt and started making more money than we had ever made, although we were really poor for probably another six months after that, but not, we did not go bankrupt. Um, my health stuff immediately went away. Migraine headaches, uh, acid reflux. Um, I, my, high school, my college friends had been telling me I looked 10 years older than I really was, and they'd asked me if I felt okay. Now they were saying how young I looked and vibrant, and you look better than you did in college, and um, it was just absolutely wonderful. And I believed with all my heart that I had discovered the key. Not just for me, for anybody. And it was to fully, totally commit to real love, which only about one person in a thousand, in my guesstimation, understood or lived. It was very rare. Most people did the business deal kind and still do today, okay? If you don't do your part, I get irritated, upset, frustrated, think about maybe being with someone else, whatever, all right? But this, everything got better and everything for Hope got better. Now, she was still depressed, but 
we were happier than we had ever been, and that just kept increasing. And um, But everything else about our lives just bloomed like a beautiful flower in a way it had never come close to doing. Okay, so I think I have the secret to anyone's issues. I take it into my private practice, counseling and therapy, and I start teaching it to everybody, okay? Hey, I've got the solution. This is it, okay? And I would share with them what I just went through and all that. Sometimes they'd be really excited. Sometimes they wouldn't, okay? But most of them were willing to give it a go. Well, not one of them could do it. Not one with their willpower, with their conscious intention, not one of them could do it. So I realized, okay, what happened to me was maybe sort of a unusual me and God or me and higher power kind of experience that's not replicable on demand for just anybody. Okay, so I started praying for the other laws of nature that were needed so that anyone could transform their life. And that's what I've been doing for the last 27 years that started on my son's day of birth and has continued and, and uh, through George, through Hope, through friends, through clients. And, and so today, which is almost 19 years, no, I'm sorry, um, it, it's just over 27 years since that started. There are dozens and dozens of spiritual laws, and different ones apply to different people and situations, okay? But there is a set that applies to anyone and everyone to resolve their issue and put them in a place where they can live in success, all the things on that success list, pretty much all the time, all right? And again, what I'm teaching you now is basically the first principle that I've called the greatest principle, but since that is part of the story that I taught people this and no one could do it, I needed to explain that, but the other laws are going to take care of that, okay, that have come since that time, all right? Now, let's continue with this one, the greatest principle. 